please stand with me for the call to worship. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Please bow as we pray the prayer of invocation. Gracious God, who lives and loves through each one, Meet us here today as we worship. Teach us in our time together to accept one another as you have accepted each one already. Let us, your church, be vessels of healing and wholeness, compassion and encouragement, strength and comfort. Have mercy on your church that we might, with one voice, give glory and praise to you. Amen.
Amen. It is great to see you as we gather for worship today. We welcome those who are joining us through, uh, through streaming as well. And I uh, we want to invite you to take a moment and uh, share a word of greeting. Perhaps introduce yourself to someone here in worship this morning. It's like a whole world to them because for the first time they have received this precious gift. The message through the box is not only the toys that makes them smile. The message here is that Jesus loves them. You've got an army of volunteers that pack the boxes. They're helping OCC to take the gospel literally to millions of children. We are opening doors for other churches and other parts of the world to do ministry in their local community. They receive a box and also an invitation to come back and learn more about Christ. We just don't want to just hand out a box and stop there. We want them to grow in their faith. So it started with a box, and it's ending with communities and countries being changed. ceases to amaze me how a simple box can change the world for a child. Thousands will be impacted by just one gift. My name is Jessica Romance, and I'm helping with the Operation Christmas Child Ministry this year through Houghton Wesleyan Church. We are once again partnering with Houghton College to complete this ministry. Melissa McLean is the SGA chaplain at Houghton College and will kind of be the face of it and contact person at the college. Operation Christmas Child is not something that is new to our community or our church, um, but it is something that is very important and So this year, to make it new, um, we are adding a new event that is connected with Operation Christmas Child, and we are doing a church packing party. What a packing party is, is a lot of people come together, and we have items that have been donated, and we will put boxes together um, at that event. This event will be um, held on November 2nd, and it will be in the Christian Education Building, and we are working to pack about 30 boxes at that packing party. So there are three goals of this packing party. One is to assemble a minimum of 30 boxes to help reach a church goal of 250 boxes. We traditionally average between about 225 to 240 boxes as a church and as a college. 
And so we were looking just to push that number past 250. It's a small step, but we thought that this event might be an opportunity to, to help us reach that goal. The boxes that we are creating are also focused on the age group of 10 to 14-year-olds because, honestly, it's a lot more fun to pack for 2-year-olds than it is for 14-year-olds. And so we get a lot of boxes that are targeted at the younger age groups, but not as many for the older children. And so that is going to be our focus at this event. Um, the other, another goal of this event is to get people involved that haven't been there before. Maybe for financial reasons or maybe just time reasons. You haven't participated in the past or your participation has kind of been few and far between. We would love for you to donate some items and also come to that event and be part of our packing party. Maybe you know nothing about Operation Christmas Child. This would be a great opportunity for you to interact with people in our church and to also see what that ministry is about. Our third goal is to create unique and practical items from items that you already may have. So we're asking that you peek at the table out there on your way by and pick up a card. Some of the items are as simple as a box of crayons, but a lot of the items that are there are things we have in our homes. Sewing needles, buttons, scrap ribbon, um, towels. I know my towel cupboard is in abundance. And we are going to take these items and we are going to upcycle them which for some of you is a new term. Um, but we're going to take these items and create something new. Um, I like to make t-shirt quilts, and I always have an abundance of t-shirt material. And my pile of t-shirt material is more than my t-shirt quilt. And so I thought, what am I doing? I'm throwing all these things out. How could I make something new? So Pinterest is my friend. And I looked on Pinterest and found that I could take my t-shirt scraps and create a jump rope. And it was something very simple, but something um, that I know that somebody else could treasure and enjoy. So our goal of this event is to create together. It's not simply to become an assembly line to take things that we purchase and throw them in boxes, but to really pour our efforts into creating items for these things. So you might ask, okay, so where do I come in? How do I help? The first one is continue to pack your own shoe boxes. We don't want this event to replace what we already do as a church and a college. We want you to continue to give your shoe boxes as you have. And Rose Jones has purchased those boxes for us again. I did bring some up and put them on the table out here so you can grab them when you leave. There are also plenty of them over in the Christian Education Building. So continue to do that. Another way you can help is to donate items. There's cards in the back that are very simple items, one or two items on a card. And you can pick one of those up and drop those off. We'll have a box in the foyer here and also in the Christian Education Building. And the third is to participate in our packing party. If you do participate in our packing party, we ask that you bring one special item. So on top of the things we're creating, we're asking that what you bring is something unique or special in that maybe you're great at woodworking and you made a homemade car or a baby doll. Or maybe you could just bring a Lego set or a special doll or an item of clothing, a hat. So we're asking that on top of what we have at the packing party that you bring one special item to add to those boxes. If you have any questions or need more resources, they are available in the Christian Education Building, and you can ask me or Emily Hoffman or any of the pastoral staff, and they'll direct you to the right places. Thank you for participating in this ministry. Thank you, Jess. We appreciate that. And it may be easy for her to make that jump rope out of that material. I'm not sure I could do that, but that's a whole other thing. Um, we uh, Just a couple of other things to remind you about uh, inserts in your bulletin. Um, coming up in a few weeks is our uh, annual harvest extravaganza. And as you can see, one of the things we're doing this year is a pie baking contest. 
which is an upgrade from a few years ago, the pastor pie eating contest, which that was, that did, you know, nobody wanted to see that. So anyway, um, help out with that if you want to participate. Also, candy drive they're getting as well. And then this uh, Wednesday night, we're doing something new uh, once a month, a family night and uh, just an intergenerational night. For we invite everybody to come. It doesn't matter your age or your connection in any way. We just want to get together. It's going to be a night of relationship building, playing some games, eating some food, getting to know some people you might not know, interacting, and perhaps having a chance to spend a little time with folks that you may not normally in the course of your life connect with. So we, we hope you'll join us in the community room directly behind us, 615 to 715, and we'd love to have you be a part of this gathering. And you also see that our prayer vigil, uh, this is the uh, eighth year of our prayer vigil, and this is uh, starting up this year, and we uh, be starting at the end of the month, and just be in prayer as we prepare uh, for this event.
glorious uh, reminder of God's grace to us. And uh, it is in that grace that we live and we, we move, we serve. And uh, I wanted to take just a moment this morning uh, to something we've done for a number of years is to uh, just introduce our staff to you. Uh, some of you may know all of the staff. Some of you may not. I also want to introduce you uh, our intern, our Houghton College intern for this semester. So they're coming up here a moment. I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hi, I'm John Cole. I'm the youth pastor. I'm Emily Hoffman. I'm the children's director. I'm Cindy Oden, and I'm an assistant pastor. I'm Amanda Cox. I'm the music and worship director. Paul Shea, assistant pastor, part-time for adults and college ministries. I'm Jeevan Dollywall. I'm the intern. (laughs) Jeevan's the intern. I hope you have a chance to uh, meet Jeevan, interact with her. Uh, One of the joys we have of of working with her is trying to give her a lot of experience and connections to the church and to to give her uh, some ideas about church ministry. And um, in December, we're going to, we're setting aside a Sunday night to have a service together and to give her a chance to preach to us and to use those gifts that God has given her. So we, we are excited to serve with you, to serve you. Please know that we are always available for you. We want to serve uh, and help be uh, God's hands and feet into your life. And uh, we, we appreciate the opportunity to not only serve, but to serve together. And so we, uh, we thank you for that privilege. Thank you. Today's Old Testament lesson is from the book of Leviticus, chapter 19. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel, and say to them, Be holy, because I am holy. Each of you must respect your mother and father, and you must observe my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make metal gods for yourselves. I am the Lord your God. When you sacrifice a fellowship offering to the Lord, sacrifice it in such a way that it will be accepted on your behalf. It shall be eaten on the day you sacrifice or on the next day. Anything left until the third day must be burned up. If any of it is eaten on the third day, it is impure and will not be accepted. Whoever eats it will be held responsible because they have desecrated what is holy to the Lord. They must be cut off from their people. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleaning of your harvest. Do not go over the vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. 
Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so that you will not share in their guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand with me for the singing of the doxology as the ushers come forward to receive our tithes and offerings. God of grace, it is our delight and our devotion to give these gifts to you. All we are and all we have are yours alone. Accept this joyful offering as a token of our abiding love. Use it to bring peace, justice, and comfort to all the world. Amen.
Please join me in the prayer of confession that is printed in your bulletin. Following this prayer, as we move to the pastoral prayer, if you would like to come and kneel at the altar rail or sit in one of these red chairs here at the front to offer your prayers, I invite you to join me. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, how often we allow our sin and iniquity to cloud our judgment. We deafen our ears to your voice and allow the voice of selfishness, greed, maliciousness, and discontent to guide our minds and influence our ways. As a church, we acknowledge our guilt to you. Father, we thank you that you hear us, that you speak to us, and that you love us. Make our hearts still so that you may call us forth with your own voice of love, charity, forgiveness, and grace. Let us hear your voice that calls us beloved, and may we rest in you that we may be your church. Amen. Father, we thank you for inviting us to pray, for inviting us to come to you and to hear you speak to us and to share with you the burdens and the concerns of our hearts. We do so because we believe you care and that you are the one who can turn all of the troubles and the difficulties and the struggles of life into miraculous works of good. You are the answer to our deepest prayers. This morning we pray for all who are grieving among us and ask that you would comfort them. We pray for all struggling with health concerns, for Mildred Berry, Dorsa Sepian, Lance Weaver, Tammy Dunmeyer, Luke Heisinger, Wade Marsh, Sheldon Emerson, Bob Jovert, Laurel Buecher, Bill Getty, Warren and Ella Woolsey, Phil Muker, Mike Raybuck, Bev Rett, Micah Christensen, Linda Roth, Dick Gould, Emily Cricklar, and for others who are on our minds and our hearts today. We pray for your healing grace in each of them. Father, we thank you for the ministries of this church. Thank you for your grace upon us. We pray especially today for the ministry of Koinonia and ask that uh, this worship ministry uh, led by students and meets on campus, that you would work miraculously. That as, uh, as the leaders lead in worship and as everyone worships together, may you be the center of all that is done. And use this to change hearts and lives. Father, we pray for churches beyond us and around us. And we pray for the Sio United Methodist Church today. Pastor Hurd, pour out your grace and blessing upon each of them. May this congregation know your peace. May they be a congregation united in your love. May they be a presence for you in their community and beyond. 
Father, we pray for our nation. There is so much divisiveness in our nation right now. During this election period, there is there's so much animosity. And we pray, Father, that through your people, there will be bring a spirit of peace. Father, we pray for all of the unrest in our nation, feelings of despair and hopelessness and injustice. Lord, we pray that you will bring healing and restoration to all of the ways in which we are divided as a nation. We pray for all who are recovering from recent disasters and and terrorist attacks. And we ask, Father, that you will bring peace and comfort and healing. Lord, we pray for refugees around the world. We ask that you would would change the circumstances that would enable them to return to their homes and to the lives that they desire to live. And may the church be a catalyst for helping refugees. Father, we pray for your people serving around the world. Today, we remember Kevin and Cindy Austin, Josiah, as they are in the process of preparing to return to the Czech Republic. There are financial needs, and we pray that you would miraculously meet those other ways in which they are preparing to serve you in the Czech Republic, we pray that they would sense your spirit leading them, guiding them, helping them. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters who face great difficulties around the world. We think today of the people in Nigeria as this nation is celebrating 56 years of independence today. There is much unrest, economic unrest, and sense of despair and hopelessness. There is divisiveness. There are threats and there's fear and anxiety. We pray that in the midst of it, your church will be a beacon of hope and light and of your grace. And Father, we pray for Colombia as they have come together in a peace settlement after years of civil war. We pray that there will indeed be peace that your people in Colombia might be a, a voice that would draw people to you, to experience you, to know you, to transform their lives in this nation. Lord, thank you for hearing our prayers. You are always more ready to hear than we are to pray and to give than we are, more to, re- than we are to receive. So pour out upon us the abundance of your mercy and forgiveness, your grace and strength. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, one from whom we learn the motto for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Arise, my soul, arise. Shake off thy guilty fears, the bleeding sacrifice 
Testament reading is from Galatians 5, 1 through 6, and 13 through 15. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, 
Watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. We are a nation that talks a lot about freedom. We talk about being founded on the idea of freedom. And we, we hear a lot of, of a conversation about freedom. And there is something about that, that yearning, that desire for freedom, that it's not just about our nation, but it's about every single person that's been put into us by God. I'm convinced that God created us, gave us DNA that yearns for freedom. Because when we read the Genesis story, we find God saying to Adam and Eve, in essence, here's everything I've created. It's yours. You are free to do with it. You are free to nurture it. You are free to live in it. You are free to, to, uh, to continue to restore it and work it. And there's this great sense of freedom that God gives to Adam and Eve. It is only after sin enters the picture that we start talking about restriction and bondage. And it's out of that the struggle of our sinful nature that we have made so many decisions that turn us away from freedom into bondage. But we still have this yearning in us to want freedom. But we wrestled with it. 
Despite what God offers us, we are continually choosing bondage over freedom. And in this letter to the Galatian churches, Paul says to them over and over again, you've been set free in Christ. Why do you keep going back to bondage? Christ has given you freedom in him. Why do you keep choosing bondage? And in their situation, there have been people from the Jerusalem church that have come to Galatia and have said, the only way you can really know Christ, the only way that you can truly be a a blessed follower of Jesus is if you obey the law, follow the rules, connect with the formulas. And Paul keeps saying to them again and again, that's not freedom, that's bondage. You are free from all of that. You don't have to worry about all of that. You are free. And then we come to, so four and a half chapters, Paul's been saying that. You come to verse 13 of chapter 5, and Paul says, Now, now that you fully understand that you are completely free in Christ. No rules, no bondage, no laws, none of that. Now that you know that, let me flip the coin over. And tell you, don't use your freedom selfishly. Because in essence, that's not freedom either. That's bondage. It's hard for us to see that. Because we think freedom is, I do what I want, when I want, how I want, to whomever I want. That's freedom. Freedom is, no one can tell me what to do. No one can tell me where to go. That is freedom. And we live in a nation in which we are continually talking about that. We, we file lawsuits so that we have complete freedom. We, we go about all these different things because in the bottom line is, freedom means no one's going to tell me what to do. I'm not accountable to anyone. I can do whatever I want. And if Paul had stopped at chapter 5, verse 12, it would have been relatively easy to agree with that perspective. But now he says, let me condition just a little bit, actually a lot of bit, your freedom. Freedom is not self-serving. Freedom is serving other people. Now, on the surface, that feels like sort of an oxymoron, doesn't it? Because we tend to think freedom and serving are two different things. They are almost mutually exclusive of each other. Because if I'm free, I don't have to serve anybody. And if I'm serving, then I must not be free. And I think Paul would say to us, yes, you're right, except the gospel is a radically different way to think about everything. And this is one of those places. This is one of those places where we come face to face with the truth of the gospel that to serve is to really use our freedom. And to be free is to serve. Freedom is not doing what I want when I want with no one else caring anything about anybody else. Freedom in Christ is freedom to serve. Now, we serve in a variety of ways. 
Sometimes we serve because we feel like we have no choice. We feel forced into serving. Let's be honest. There have been times where all of us struggle with that, where we serve. We do things for other people simply because we feel like we have to. And you can see the skid marks of our heels as we're being drug into those acts of service. Right? It's the last thing we want to do. We'd do anything we could to get out of it, but we can't. Maybe we feel God's thumb on us. Maybe we, we sense that, you know, people are going to be upset with us. Or maybe we just feel the sense of guilt that we need to serve. And so we do it. And I, I guess that's better than not serving at all. But it's close. I wonder sometimes in the church if maybe our, our greatest struggle with serving in the right spirit is that we do it so that people will know how wonderful we are. Sometimes we serve because we're looking for accolades from people. We're looking for people to tell us, man, you are such an awesome servant. I wish I were like you. And let's again be honest, there are times where all of us do that. Where our act of service, and maybe it's not conscious, maybe it's subconscious, but our act of service is done because we want people to like us. Because we want people to, to, uh, to shelter us, to uh, offer us accolades, to shower us with accolades, and to tell us how great we are. And it's really about us, not about them. And we fall into that trap as well. The struggle with that is that either one of those ways of serving leads us to some negative consequences. When you serve because you feel forced, because you feel guilty, because you feel like you have no choice, when you serve because you're trying to please people and you want people to like you, inevitably the end of that is that we come around feeling very frustrated and angry and often bitter about our service because people haven't responded the way we wanted them to. We serve people because we want all these accolades and they don't give us the accolades and we grouse and we gripe and we complain about it. Ungrateful people, do you see how much everything we've given up? I won't ask us to raise hands about who has wrestled with that, but we've wrestled with that. And when you feel like you are forced to serve, there is this inner spirit of resentment that you can't help but feel. I think that's why Paul says in verse 15, if if you don't serve the way you're supposed to, you end up biting, devouring, consuming each other. Interesting, all the words he uses are eating words. Right? We eat each other up. Some of the words used are describing often a snake bite. It's, it's the Pharisees stealing the homes of the widows. It's consuming. It's grabbing. I don't know if Paul was trying to make a little inside joke with the, the, Judy, the people from Jerusalem because a lot of the Jewish laws are dietary laws. What you can eat, what you can't eat, how you fix it. And maybe this was just a little jab to them about that. But I suspect it's probably more about just the fact of how we view food as something that we consume. Often without even thinking about it. My extended family has a bad habit of eating fast. 
we can usually eat other people more quickly under the table than you can imagine. And we always end up, when we're in a large group gathering, you can tell the people who are from my side of the family and people who aren't because we're all done and they're still going. I, th- I, I think I trace it back to my grandmother. who was an awesome cook, but she was the fastest eater I have ever seen in my life. I mean, when she sat down at the table, it was head down, spoon and fork going, and that's it. We don't really have time to converse. We're not going to talk. We're not going to do anything. We are here to, for one purpose, that is to eat this food as fast as we can. And the thing is, and, and that sort of gets ingrained in you. The thing that we always laughed about is that when she was done, she assumed everyone else was done. And so she'd be done, and the next thing, your plate was gone. Whether you were finished or not. I mean, she's ready. Let's go. I got dessert. Let's move on. You know, we got things to do here. And what, what, as I've thought about that, I realized that you never take the time to really savor the food. And you don't take time to really think about how much has gone into preparing the food. It's just something that you consume as quickly as you can. And I think Paul is saying, when your spirit and your attitude about serving isn't what it should be, your whole mindset is about consuming, and often it's consuming each other. We do it without thought. We often do it without conscience. Because we're thinking more about ourselves, gratifying ourselves, and it's not just about food. And that's why Paul says, when we serve, when you're really free and you're serving, you serve in love. That's the defining characteristic of our service. It is service in love. That's what it means to serve in freedom. And to to bolster his point, he says in verse 14... If you want to talk about the law, if you, the law is so important to you, you love the law, the law is, is where you want to focus, fine. Let's talk about the law. And he says the essence of the law, the heart of the law, the purpose of the law is love. He says that in Romans 13. He's quoting Jesus. Who says in Matthew 22, when asked, what's the greatest commandment? It's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And that may make us think this is just a New Testament concept. It's something that people finally came to, but it's not. We saw in the book of Leviticus that we just read. You have all these obligations, all these things about ways about how people live together. How you glean your field. The way you you witness in a court of law, how you treat people who work for you. All of these things about relationships. My Bible has a heading about uh, conditions of holiness. And you get to the end of it and he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I'm the Lord. This is a biblical concept. It didn't just start with Jesus. This has been God's intent all along. That was the intent of the law from the beginning. All of the things that God did for Israel, all the ways in which he helped them live was about love. His love for them, their love for him, their love for each other. And Paul brings us back to that and says, in freedom, if you're truly free, then you serve in a spirit of love. Sometimes we get Confused about what it means to love. I think the best definition I've seen, ever seen of love is the one that Scott Peck gives us in his book, The Road Less Traveled. He says, love is the will to extend oneself for the purpose of one's own or another's spiritual growth. 
Love is the will. It's always a decision we make. It is never just a feeling. It's never something we do when it's convenient for us. It is a decision that we make. You see Jesus making that decision over and over again. It is something that we do that extends beyond what is comfortable. We extend ourselves. And that means we're thinking more about other people than ourselves. To extend ourselves automatically involves risk. And love is always about risk. I am not sure you can truly love without risking. You know, what kind of love is it if we, if we never take a risk to share it and to live it? Love is thinking about other people. It's giving our attention to people. It's listening to people. It's, it's being care, caring as much about their life as we want them to care about our life. And it has a purpose of spiritual growth. And we might often think of that as just something personal, making us feel better. It is about the flourishing that God created us to experience. It is about drawing people to Jesus. Helping people understand who God is. That is the purpose of love. To help people fully experience, be fully engaged with Christ. And that means when we think about what, how do we respond to this person? What do we do with this person? What's the most loving thing to do? It comes back to what will help them more effectively experience Jesus. How will they see Jesus? And sometimes that means that we listen. Sometimes it means we confront them. But it's always for the purpose in mind of helping them to know God. To experience God. And that, in order to do that, in order to love that way, we have to give up our freedom. And Paul is saying, when you know you have freedom, you can give up your freedom. Because what you're really doing is modeling the life of Jesus. It's what Paul is saying in Galatians 2.20. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The one who loved me and gave himself for me. The one who had full freedom. No one had more freedom than Jesus. And what does he do with it? He gives. He loves. He serves. He sacrifices. The problem that we encounter with this, this, this section of Galatians with, with us is that it it can easily feel as if it has become a rule to replace the other rules. And in one sense, it has. He says, here's the law, love your neighbor. But in another sense, it's not. Because it is possible only, only, only through the grace of God in Christ. He's not saying to anyone, he's not saying to people who don't know Jesus, love your neighbors as you love yourself. He's saying to people who are followers of Jesus, love your neighbors as you love yourself. And why is that different? Because you can only love your neighbor as you love yourself if you know who you are in Christ. 
It's not something we manufacture. It is something that we choose to do because we know who we are in Christ. Because our identity is in Christ. Because we have come to realize that we are children of God. We're children of God. And as he says in chapter 4, we can cry out, Abba, Father. We can have a relationship, an intimacy with God in a way that changes how we think about our lives. I think a lot of our struggle is that is that we have this zero-sum mentality about life. Andy Krauss talks about this in one of his books. And he's talking about power, but I think it applies to love and to, and to serving as well. And he says, you know, the zero-sum idea is, so I have $20 and I give you $20. I have less, you have more. But the amount, total amount stays the same. And for me to serve you, for me to give to you, means that I am going to lose and you are going to win. And quite frankly, we've been raised all of our lives to say, how can we avoid losing? And so we wrestle with that. But the radical nature of the gospel is that when we give away power, when we give away love, when we serve, it's not a zero-sum exchange. It is a multiplication process. When we give away love, we don't have less love. It actually creates more love in us. Because the more we love, the more we understand what love can do. And the more we love, the more room in our hearts there is for God to fill us with more and more of his love. This unending love. And as we serve, we serve, we don't, we don't give, we don't lose ourselves. We gain who we were created to be in Christ. It's what we see in Jesus. No one has more power than Jesus. He says, all authority and power has been given to me. And what does he do with it? He gives it away. Sacrifices, surrenders, serves, loves. And when he gets to the cross, does he have less power? No. He has all the power he ever had. It's just power to give, power to sacrifice, power to love. And you and I who are children of God can experience that same thing. He really goes back to John 13. Jesus is meeting with the disciples in the upper room. And John says... Jesus, knowing that he had come from God and was returning to God. Coming from the Father and returning to the Father. Knowing who he was in the Father. Took up a towel and a basin of water. And began washing his disciples' feet. When we know who we are in Christ, it changes everything. Every time we choose to serve one another in love, we are declaring that God is who he says he is. And that we are children of God. 
and that we are free to give away our freedom. So what might God be saying to you as you think about how he's calling you to serve in love? Is it a reminder that you're a child of God? Is it a call to to find true freedom in giving up freedom? Is it a call to follow him wherever, however he may lead you? I read a parable this week. Apocryphal, of course, it's not in the scriptures. But it intrigued me. Jesus is out meeting with his disciples one day in the morning. He says to them, um, pick up a stone. They all pick up a stone. Peter, being the practical one that he is, picks up the smallest stone he can find. Puts it in his pocket. Jesus says, follow me. And they take off walking. And when it comes time for lunch, he has them sit in a circle. And he miraculously turns those stones into bread. Peter's lunch goes pretty fast. After lunch, Jesus says, pick up another stone. You can see the light go on in Peter's mind. I know where this is going. He picks up the largest stone he can carry. He heaves that thing on his back and he's carrying, can barely carry it under low, but he's thinking, I can't wait till dinner time. And they make their way and a few hours later, Jesus stops them and they're by a river. And he just says to them, Take your stone and throw it into the water. What? Take your stone throw it in the water. They throw it in the water. And Jesus says, okay, now come follow me. They're all looking at Jesus, particularly Peter, a bit dumbfounded and confused and thinking, what was that just for? What was that about? What purpose did that serve? And Jesus turns back to them and he says, ask them one question said, who did you pick up the stone for? Come follow me. What's our freedom for? Is it for us? For Christ? Serving us, serving others? Father, give us grace to know that we're your children. Help us to experience freedom in such a way that we are free to serve in love and find joy. Amen.
receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.